Okay, I sure enjoyed hearing from you. That was very good. <clears throat> rather than, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, rather than responding to any specific thing that you spoke, I'd like to speak to to everything in a in a a more general response. Um, one of the things that really hinders us from functioning and from practicing the church life is our concept of what it's supposed to look like. And <clears throat> although this kind of blending fellowship is very helpful, sometimes we get the wrong impression and we say, oh, we have to do it the way Baltimore is doing it because they're having success. And then you say, no, 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 Fairfax has the formula. We got to follow Fairfax. Uh, and whoa, they got a big increase in Seattle. Let's do what they're doing. Let me tell you, that's a trap. The church life is, is scalable. It's scalable. So if you want to practice the church life, you, you take it down to its basic element. So what is the basic building block of the church? You might say, well, it's, it's, it's individual saints. No, that's not right. The basic building block of the church, according to our understanding of Acts chapter 2, is a vital group. That's the basic building block. Uh, and a vital group can be as small as two people, <clears throat> two vital people. So can two people have the church life? Yes. Yes. Can they have it the same way 50 people have it? No, of course not. But they can have it. So just keep this thought in mind. Everything in the church life is scalable. The Christian life, however, is not scalable. We'll talk about that tonight. The Christian life's not scalable. You gotta give everything to it. The church life, the campus work, serving, all of that is scalable. If you're in a small situation, you do it differently than you do it in a big situation. Okay, let me give you an example, like the children's work. You say, oh, we gotta do the children's work like New York. Well, New York is a big church with a lot of serving ones. You can't duplicate that, and you shouldn't try to duplicate that. I'll give you an example uh, uh, from uh, society, if you're in a big city, in a school, you've got all the different grades separated. But you know, my mother grew up on a farm in Wisconsin. You know how they had elementary school? The little red schoolhouse. Everybody's in there. All the grades are together. You understand what I mean? And some of our children's meetings are like that. Sometimes, if you have five children, 
You don't go, okay, you're in grade three, you're five, you're four. No. no. You just bring them together. You say, well, that's not the way you're supposed to do it. The ministry says you need appropriate materials for every age group. Yeah, I know. But you have to respond to the situation that you're in. And you can practice in the situation that you're in. And don't let the enemy cheat you and say, well, because I'm in, where are you at, Baltimore? Because I'm in Baltimore and there's only one child in Baltimore, we can't practice. Yes, you can. Taking care of that one child is the children's meeting in the church in Baltimore, (laughs) which is perfectly fine. One day there'll be two. You gonna have another child? You don't need to answer that publicly. (laughs) The campus work is scalable. Don't say, well, because we don't have any full-timers, we can't do the campus work. Nonsense. We did the campus work for decades in this country without full-timers. Oh, if we had more people and more homes, we could do it. We just have one home. Then do it with one home. See, don't... Don't be limited by the thought, we have to have this, we have to have this, we have to have this. No, you don't. All we need is you. We need you. Now, not just you. We need at least two of you. <clears throat> because we, we can't do things individually. We need to be joined together with a vital partner, a vital companion. Serving is scalable. Serving is scalable because different people can devote different amounts of time to it, and that's perfectly all right. Don't say, well, I can't, you know, I just, all I have is one hour a week, then serve one hour a week. Don't say, I can't can't serve. (laughs) Of course you can serve. You just can't serve as many hours as somebody else. Don't worry about that. So I'm a, I'm a mother with three young kids, okay? Don't look at your three young kids as a limitation. They're not a limitation. Those are people, not limitations. <laughs> and not only that, you know what they are? Listen, those are the increase of the Lord's recovery. Sometimes I've met the sisters, the full-time sisters. They said, oh, man, when I was serving on the campus, I was so useful. I was preaching the gospel. I was contacting people. Now I'm stuck at home. (coughs) Let me tell you, your home is the church life. And your children are the saints. Say, my children aren't saved yet. Even better. You can preach the gospel. (laughs) Oh, I'm really not joking. You can preach the gospel. Uh, Lois and Eunice began to preach the gospel to Timothy when he was an infant. And their caring for Timothy produced an apostle. So were they 
stuck at home with Timothy? No, they, they cared for this. Listen, when you have children in your home, you got new ones living with you. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Change your concept. Those are new ones. All you do on the campus is try to contact new ones. And if one of them happened to move into your house, you go, whoa, we got a new one living with us. <laughs> it's only going to stay there a year. But those other new ones, those little new ones, they stick around for a good 20 years. <laughs> and sometimes they come back. <laughs> so I would tell you, and I really mean it, change your thinking. If you, let me say it another way. Sisters, if you are caring for your children at home, you are not doing that at the expense of the church life. No. You are shepherding those children for the church life. Amen. That means you're serving the Lord. You're actually doing the exact same thing that the full-timers on the campus are doing. You are. If you really believe it's one piece, where does it start? Birth. It starts at birth. That's where that, that continuum, continuum begins. And by the way, it doesn't stop with the working saints. You think I, I don't need any shepherding anymore? What, you just reach the end where you have nobody to shepherd you? <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that's, it's a person from birth to rapture or death. That's, that's the continuum. And, and we care for people all the way through that. So just, you know, sometimes the church life is going to always be small. We have many churches like this. People graduate, they move out because there's no jobs. It's a campus town or there's just better opportunities elsewhere. If we really have the vision of the reality of the body of Christ, we don't say, oh, we just lose everybody. <laughs> what, did they leave the body of Christ? <laughs> no, they didn't leave the body of Christ. They're in the body of Christ. You gained them for the body of Christ. And if you're in such a place, don't be limited by the thought that, well, because everybody we gain moves on, this is a waste. Of course it's not a waste. If they are, Brian was, he was gained in Seattle, but he didn't stay in Seattle, so why are we doing the campus work in Seattle? <laughs> no, he's here, he's here. Uh, nothing wrong with that. So, I, I, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, I may not be doing a very good job. What I hear from your speaking, it's all positive, but what I hear is that you're very much limited by your concepts of what the church life is supposed to look like, what the campus work is supposed to look like, what the family life is supposed to look like. You know, the beautiful thing about the vital groups, if you really get into it and you really practice it, you know where it starts? I told you, two people. 
if, 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 it, if, it's, if you're unmarried, it's you and another companion. If you're married, you're, 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 it's built in, Brian. You, the, the very first person you must be a vital companion to is your husband or wife. If it doesn't work in your home, why, what would make you think it would work in the church? Say, well, I can't be vital with my wife. I can only be vital with the brothers. Don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. If you can't be vital with the member of the body of Christ that you are closest to, say, well, I'm one with all the brothers in Australia. <laughs> I have zero problem with the brothers in Australia, none. That's because you're not with them. I'm serious. You know, what, you know what marriage life is? It's the lab. It's where you work out the whole thing. You work out the whole church life right there. In the, how, in the home, in the, your marriage life, and in your family life, you work out everything that needs, to, that needs to happen in the church and in the body of Christ. If it doesn't work in the lab, it's not going to work outside the lab. Trust me. So, where do you start? Start by having a vital relationship in your home. You say, well, I'm single. Then have a vital relationship with whoever you live with. You say, I live alone. Then have a vital relationship <laughs> with somebody. <laughs> you get my point? All these things can be practiced there, there's really not any person sitting in this room who can't practice every single one of these things if we adjust our thought and our concept. You can be a busy working person. You can be a, a parent with young children. You can be in a very small locality with very few saints. It still all works. It all works as long as your concept is adjusted to realize what the Lord is after is the reality of the body of Christ. That begins with two people. And then they can bear fruit, that can grow, that can develop. And, you know, the Lord's recovery in the present era is a hundred years old. It started in Fu Chao with three people in a person's living room. Three. What kind of church is three people? A church that revolutionized all of church history, the church in Fu Chao. You know that prior to that time, there was never actually a proper practice of the church life from Acts chapter 2 until 100 years ago. And it was three people. So don't, don't say, well, we got three people. It doesn't mean anything. It means a lot. The Lord's move in the United States started with a very small number of people in Los Angeles. Uh, just practice what the ministry has delivered to us, and specifically the vital groups. If you don't know what the vital groups are, fellowship in your locality, but the ministry is very clear. Uh, I would just tell you this, if you, 
if you really don't know how to practice, and, and, and since, since we're blending here, I'll tell you that um, in the church in Seattle, this is our primary focus. It's been our primary focus for over two years. Um, it's what we always talk to the church about, and we're trying to practice it step by step by step, according to what the ministry has led us to practice. Um, <clears throat> if you want to practice the, or study the vital groups, there's a tremendous amount of ministry on that subject. So start at the end, don't start at the beginning. The, the beginning was an experiment, the end was a conclusion. So there's just really three books that you need to look at. And if you get these three, you get everything. One is called The Vital Groups. The Vital Groups. It's not very, not very long. And the other two are even shorter. One's called The Urgent Need. Uh, the Urgent Need. Ay, ay, ay. How's that go? The Urgent Need Concerning something like that and then the third is called uh, the training and practice of the vital groups those were the last three speakings that Bradley had on the matter of the vital groups and after he released those he said I don't have anything else left to say just practice that that's what he told us especially after that one called the training and practice he said I'm done I have nothing left to say just do that that's a good word. Pick that up. And you say, well, I, well, how do we do it? Start with the person you live with. I just answered one of the questions that was written. <clears throat> uh, how do you have, a, how do you have a, a marriage life in the kingdom of God? Bring the Lord into your marriage life that person you're married to is not just your husband or wife that's the member of the body of Christ who the Lord put you with to be built up together in a vital way for the growth and development of his kingdom that's where it starts that's where it starts so well you don't know how it is my husband or my wife yeah actually I do um, it's just pretty much the same for all of us. As long as your husband or wife is a believer in Christ, and I sure hope they are, you can practice this. You can practice this. You say, well, we didn't start off that way. Okay, start now. You can change from a natural relationship to a vital relationship. You can, it's doable. So, Okay, now let me see if I can answer a couple. There were, there were, there were a lot of good questions. I'll just, I'll just do what I can do. But I have a burden to talk about a couple of them. Um, <clears throat> and I'm gonna summarize a little bit. One of the questions, it's a long question, but what it really involves is, you know, should a person in in the recovery, marry a person who's in a denomination or in some other kind of work. And what's the problem? They're all believers. Aren't we for the oneness of the body of Christ? Yeah, we are for the oneness of the body of Christ. 
But the oneness of the body of Christ cannot be practiced in a division. Sorry. By definition, the oneness of the body of Christ cannot be practiced in a division. So I would advise you, and, and it's all it is, we all live to the Lord. Who you should marry, I have no idea. You have to go to the Lord to find out. But I speak for only myself. I'd rather be single. I would. I'd rather be single than to be unequally yoked with someone who doesn't have the same vision and the same burden and the same goal that I have. I just, I would. You know, no marriage at all is much better than a bad one. And uh, I, I don't, I know, I know lots of people are anxious to be married. I understand that. Wait until the right person comes. And, or if you really feel that this is the right person, pray, pray and get your vital group to pray to shepherd this person, to see what you see, you'll be much, much happier in your marriage. I, I assure you, you'll be happier in your marriage if, if, you, if you have the same vision. Uh, to my surprise, there were more than one question about migration. Um, <clears throat> One of the questions says that Brother Lee said you should migrate every five years. <laughs> yeah, he did, but you know, when, let me tell you something about reading the ministry. You gotta read all of it. <laughs> I'm serious, I'm serious. It's like the Bible. You say, well, this verse says this, yeah, right. What about what's the what are the other sixty six and ninety nine one hundredths books of the Bible say? So be careful with statements like Bradley said migrate every five years, because he said a lot of other things about migration too. But anyway, little aside. <clears throat> when should you migrate? The Lord has to lead you. And very often there will be a leading through the ministry. The brothers may say we have a strong burden for uh, North Carolina. Well, sh just because the brothers said that, should you migrate to North Carolina? No. Now you have to go to the Lord. You need to pray. You need to see, is the Lord leading you? That word, when the brothers said, we have a strong burden for North Carolina, it's not for everybody. We can't, if everybody moves to North Carolina, we're in trouble. <laughs> so it's not for everybody. So then we need to go to the Lord. We need to pray. We need to receive his leading. Lord, am I supposed to migrate to North Carolina at this time? Or am I just supposed to pray for your move in North Carolina? Most of us will receive a leading that says, just pray. Some of us will receive a leading saying, now's the time, go to North Carolina. Um, that's how you know. And you say, well, I don't know how to do that. 
it's time to learn how to do it. We have to learn to receive the Lord's leading. And if you're a married couple, that's a great opportunity to practice being vital together. Great opportunity. Uh, one of the questions says, one, one of the spouses feels to migrate, the other one doesn't. What do you do? Become of one accord. That's what Acts 15 says. Having become of one accord, the brothers wrote a letter to the churches. That means they didn't start out in one accord, but through prayer, through fellowship, they became of one accord. You have to do it that way. There's no other way. Okay, there was one other one I wanted to... We're almost, almost out of town. time. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, okay, this is one's important. I want to forgive a saint who has deeply offended me and has already made an apology. How can I genuinely forgive this person? Because we had a message in the last itero talking about forgiveness and we read the verse which says we need to forgive from our heart. And if not, it can affect our participation in the kingdom. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you, since we were just talking about the marriage life, the first person you need to learn to forgive from the heart is your husband or wife. Uh, that's, that, that's the secret of a long and happy marriage life. And how do you forgive from your heart? Okay, two things. Number one, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. Um, somebody offends me, it happens, doesn't it? I heard it in your speaking. Somebody offends me, I don't have to feel forgiveness. Just like I, I don't have to feel love in order to choose to love the saints. It's nice when you do, but I don't need it. I can, I can choose to love the brothers, and I can choose to forgive the brothers. Choice means a lot, because the Lord can't operate in you until you choose. You can't say, Lord, make me forgive. He doesn't make you do things. That's not how the Christian life works. What you need to do is pray and say, Lord, I forgive, I forgive. Now the Lord has the ground to work in your heart to make that forgiveness genuine and real. And if you were offended and someone apologized to you, <laughs> they apologized. You say, well, they didn't mean it. How, how do you know that? Be very, very careful with that. Just take care of your heart. Don't worry about their heart. Take care of your heart. 
And it begins with a choice. That's what I want you to know. It doesn't begin with a feeling of genuine forgiveness. It begins with a choice to forgive, and then that gives the Lord the ground to operate in your heart to give you a genuine forgiveness from the heart. Okay, I think we're out of time. I, in the course of the next two meetings, I'm sure we'll talk about more of the things that these questions covered.